1: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, California will expand vaccine eligibility to people 50 and older beginning April 1st and to those 16 and older on April 15th. But as vaccines become more widely available, how many Californians will sign up for shots? We look at new figures on vaccine hesitancy. Then. A charming new animated Netflix series called City of Ghosts follows a group of kid detectives who solve problems and learn about Los Angeles by talking to the ghosts who inhabit the city. We'll talk with the series creator. That's all next on Forum, join us.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera,
1: This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Governor Newsom has announced that Californians 50 and older will be eligible for vaccinations next Thursday, April 1st, and those 16 and older can start getting them April 15th. Newsom also said, effective immediately, that healthcare providers could offer shots to family members who bring eligible relatives to be vaccinated. State Senator and pediatrician Dr. Richard Pan has been laser-focused on getting Californians vaccinated, establishing the Ready to Vaccinate project to encourage them. Senator Pan, welcome to Forum.
2: Thank you, Mina. Pleased to be here.
1: Yeah, really great to have you here as well. This expanded vaccine eligibility announcement is big news. Are you confident the state can start doing this well in less than a week?
2: Well, it's actually all about supply. We've always uh, had less vaccine than we're actually able to deliver. So we've been working hard to build capacity to deliver vaccines, but it's all about how many vaccines we get. So I do have to say that uh, it's great we're opening it up. It doesn't necessarily mean that instantaneously on April 15th, uh, you can get a vaccine if you're 16 and above, but we can certainly line you up. And we're really hopeful that we're going to get sufficient supply and very excited about it, that through April, we're going to be able to get a lot of people vaccinated. So uh, please be sure you sign up uh, uh, when your time comes.
1: That does sound like what the state was saying in its press release, that uh, vaccinations of willing Californians will still take several months but it sounds like you're saying that you believe the supply is stabilizing is that largely because johnson and johnson's vaccine will come online more
2: well certainly the biden administration has worked very hard uh, with the manufacturers to assure that we have uh, not only a more stable supply of vaccines but also Uh, to increase those supplies. And then, of course, working on the distribution. So you have to manufacture the vaccines, then you have to get it out to all various people and do it in a predictable way. So those are the steps that have been taken. And uh, we're seeing the results of that uh, with this announcement uh, for April.
1: I'm remembering that when Governor Newsom announced that people 65 or older could be vaccinated the result was, in a lot of cases, overwhelmed county health departments, unable to accommodate the flood of people trying to sign up for shots. Are you comfortable that won't happen again?
2: Well, what I'd say is that uh, when he announced 65 and over, uh, what we were trying to do is ensure that the vaccines we did get were able to get into people's arms. So uh, part of the challenge is you're a vaccinator in the front lines, Uh you don't want to get caught up in a situation where you go, oh, I can vaccinate this person. I can't vaccinate that person. That person's too early, right? So we were trying to be sure at that point in time, there were reports about, oh, you have this many vaccines, but you only gave like a quarter of them, right? And so we were trying to work out those bugs as well as reminding vaccinators that they can vaccinate uh, people who are over 65. As we're moving into uh, April, the good news is that we're also having increased vaccine supply. And so, as I said earlier, I can't guarantee that on April 15th or over 16 you're going to get a vaccine, but we are getting in that direction. And so please sign up and uh, so you can get yourself vaccinated.
1: Well, here's a quick logistical question from listener Diane. And of course, listeners, if you want to join the conversation or ask Dr. Pan your questions, 866-733-6786 is the number to call. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQBD Forum or email us, forum at KQBD.org. Diane's wondering, when can 64-year-olds get an appointment? Myturn.ca.gov, Diane says, still says not eligible. So will all 50 to 64-year-olds have to wait until April 1st to book the appointment?
2: So you can actually put your name into my turn at any time, uh, but it won't send you a uh, put you in the queue until the dates show up. So you don't have to wait to s- to put your name into my turn, but they will hold your name until uh, given the information that you give uh, when you sign up uh, into whichever time that you're uh, when it's available for your group. And uh, so there is going to be some lag time. Uh, related to that. And then of course, we have to see what our vaccine cap capacity is. But the good news is that we are getting more vaccines. So hopefully, if you sign on to my turn, when uh, it's your turn to get the vaccine, we'll try to get it to you as soon as possible.
1: And has the state managed to vaccinate most people in previously eligible groups and also to be able to do it equitably? This was a big issue as well, that the chaotic process really did leave a lot of Black, Indigenous, people of color, Latino communities behind. Where would you say we are now? What's your assessment on that, Dr. Pan?
2: Well, California is committed to uh, giving 40 percent of all vaccines to the most at-risk communities. So the ones that the uh, Fortile of communities that uh, are most disadvantaged. And uh, so we're committed to equity, uh, but actually executing it can be a challenge. Uh, many people want the vaccine, they're working very hard to get it. Uh, so even when we've tried different mechanisms to try to prioritize delivering vaccines uh, equitably, uh, people show up where the vaccines are and uh, that's that's been a challenge, you know. But same time, we are committed to that. Uh, Distributing vaccines is a complex process because we have, you know, the state and then we have each county doing things. We have multi-county entities. We're trying to get vaccines out to community health centers, which serve lower income communities. Right. Uh, We're doing pop ups. Uh, We have uh, some mobile vans, probably not enough of them. So we are working hard to address equity, Um, but it, it is difficult in terms of operationalizing it. One thing I do want to point out to people, if people are listening to this show though, is, is that because knowing that there's many people still looking for the vaccine is that uh, the re- the reason we prioritize equity is not only that the people who uh, are in lower income populations, more at risk, not only in terms of uh, catching disease, but even dying of it. At the same time, uh, when you st- reduce the spread of the disease in the places where there's the highest amount of spread again, in those lower income communities because they tend to be crowded together. They're essential workers. So they're less likely to be able to stay at home. That actually decreases the spread for everybody. Right. And so there's actually a population benefit to all of us, even if we're not getting the vaccine first to having people in these uh, communities, get the vaccine before us.
0: The
1: other thing about getting shots in arms efficiently, in addition to the public health benefit, Dr. Penn, that you have pointed out, is that it's also key to addressing vaccine resistance. I mean, we've talked about some of the nuances of vaccine hesitancy in Black and Latinx communities on this program before. But what I'm struck by is that recent polls are finding that there are now fairly small racial differences in who wants the vaccine. For example, um, an NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll found that 73% of black Americans say that they are likely to get vaccinated, 70% of white Americans and so on. But um, where the sharpest differences lie now is actually political party. Does that sound right to you?
2: Unfortunately, uh, that is what's going on. The public health response to COVID was highly politicized um, when it uh, uh, last year, and uh, unfortunately, what we see is partisan differences in acceptance of interventions to address COVID. So, whether we're talking about mask wearing, public health orders, and unfortunately also vaccines as well, and so we do need to think about different strategies to uh, persuade people to. Uh, get the vaccine. Part of it's actually trying to depoliticize the conversation.
1: Hmm. Well, the other thing, too, that I was struck by was a poll last month uh, by Berkeley IGS. And this was specific to California, which found that 58 percent of Republican voters surveyed said they're somewhat or likely to get vaccinated. That's compared to 88 percent of Democrats and 72 percent of people with no party preference. If these numbers hold, Dr. Pan, can California achieve herd immunity?
2: Well, it's going to be difficult if we don't find a way to get to the uh, folks who um, basically are saying they're not going to get vaccinated. So uh, I would point out that uh, it's still a majority, a fairly large majority of uh The Republicans, when you say 58 percent who said they're going to get vaccinated. So that's positive. Uh, But we do need to figure out how do we communicate to the rest of them, the remaining uh, 42 percent who are either reluctant or saying they won't. And when we look at the poll, there does give some indications about the priorities of the people who are declining the vaccine and how we might want to communicate with them about that. Also, I think further work has shown that talking about depoliticizing, it's not political figures uh, telling, asking people to get vaccinated. They're going to persuade people to get vaccinated. It's the people around them and their own uh, doctors or other health professionals that they go see who can build that trust. And that's why it's going to be important that we communicate uh, to the group of people who uh, are saying they don't, won't get vaccinated through their uh, health professionals to, uh, to have people in their community, the 58% remind them that they're getting vaccinated. So uh, that will hopefully be persuasive as well. And so we have to think about different communication strategies for the people who uh, are declining the vaccine.
1: One of the things that you've been really concerned about is vaccine extremism. You actually wrote a piece for The Washington Post. I think this was after there was a group that stopped people I think it temporarily shut down Dodger stadium, actually a major vaccine site, uh, where there were protests. And I have not seen a lot of articles since then about protests, shutting down vaccination efforts, but am I just missing something? How big a problem do you see vaccine extremism as you call it to be?
2: So this is a problem we have seen on social media, uh, either, uh, plans for, or, uh, are people talking about that uh, they want to go to vaccination sites, not necessarily the large ones like Dodger Stadium, but uh, actually smaller ones. And those are less likely to make the news as well. Uh, So that becomes a problem because this, in that case, it's not about people declining to get a vaccine for themselves. They're actually trying to prevent other people who actually chose to get the vaccine from getting the vaccine by making it either more difficult or uh, creating uh, disruption in those sites. And we can't allow that to happen.
1: We're talking with Dr. Richard Pan, state senator who represents the Sacramento and Yolo County areas. We're talking about how all California adults are eligible for COVID vaccines starting on April 15th and how the state We'll manage the rollout as well as vaccine resistance and and what lies ahead for the state's battle against the virus. You can join us by calling us at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions or comments to forum at kqed.org. We'll take those right after the break. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about California's expanded eligibility rules and whether most Californians will go ahead and get vaccines, given some new numbers on vaccine hesitancy. We're talking with Senator Richard Pan, state senator for District 6, which includes Sacramento and Yolo counties, also a pediatrician. Dr. Pan chairs the Senate Committee on Health. He also serves as chair of the Senate Select Committee on Asian Pacific Islander Affairs and the Asian Pacific Islander Legislative Caucus and also serves on the Special Committee on Pandemic Emergency Response. What are your questions about vaccinations? Have you been vaccinated yet? 866-733-6786, the number to call. Email address forum at kqed.org, our Twitter handle at KQED forum. Let me go to caller Stacy in Nevada. Hi, Stacy. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um... I was so happy to hear about the April 1st opening for people 50 and over, but it seems like a very short window. It's just two weeks till it's open to everyone. And I'm concerned about there just being a real rush to get these vaccines because I feel like that's what happened when we opened it to 65 and older. And then even older people weren't able to get the vaccine at that time. Stacy, thanks. We touched on this, Dr. Pam, but anything else that you can tell Stacy?
2: Well, what we want to do is tell people that your turn is coming up. So I think anytime we make an announcement of a date, there will be a rush at that date. Uh, so I do ask people to be patient. Uh, but the reason for the announcement of that date is is that we, are, we want to open it up and uh, have vaccines available. So we're getting more vaccines. So you will eventually uh, be able to get them. Uh, But we want to be sure that you know and the vaccinators know that when someone shows up who's 50 years and older, not to turn them away and say, yes, I can vaccinate you now.
1: Well, Lulu tweets, I'm 64 and I've signed up to be notified when vaccines are available. I want the Pfizer vaccine and I'm happy to wait until later in the year. How do I know where I can get Pfizer? What are your thoughts on Lulu's question?
2: Well, first of all, I do have to say is that I recommend that you get the vaccine that's first available to you. They're all equally efficacious when it comes to the most important thing, which is preventing hospitalization and death from COVID. So I know some people may want a particular vaccine over another. You would probably have to ask the vaccination site. Uh, But frankly, you should get the vaccine that's first available to you.
1: And Robert asks, any evidence of benefit accrued after one week of the first Pfizer shot?
2: Well, there's uh, increasing data people are collecting uh, about what the efficacy may be after just one shot, but the Pfizer vaccine and a Moderna vaccine were actually studied for two shots. So uh, while you may have some protection from one shot, it's recommended you get both. Uh, And then it takes about two weeks after getting that second shot for to have its full effectiveness. Uh, With J&J, it's only one shot uh, as well. And again, you need a couple of weeks before it really kicks in. So I guess I would say is, is that uh, while we are getting more information, you're probably seeing news reports about, oh, after one shot, you're, you may get some protection and that may be true. Uh, you should follow the recommendations uh, for each of the particular vaccines.
1: This listener wants to know, should it be mandatory for children to be vaccinated against COVID-19 once there's a vaccine available? Should it be mandatory? What do you think about that, Dr. Pan?
2: I don't think we're there yet. First of all, we don't have it approved for children in the first place. Uh, The other issue is is that uh, we're still trying to determine how well the vaccines work in terms of stopping transmission. The good news about COVID is is that uh, children don't tend to get sick with COVID, although I will remind you, there are children who have died of COVID, so I don't think we can say that it's entirely safe for children to get COVID. Uh, But I don't think we're at the point where we should be talking about mandating a vaccine that's not even approved for children yet uh, for school.
1: We're talking with State Senator Richard Pan about expanded vaccine eligibility. Uh, We're also talking with him about what the state can do to make sure everybody who wants an appointment can get one, especially with this expanded access. I know you've addressed this a few times, but it really is the bulk of the questions that we are getting from people really wondering how we can possibly be opening up this eligibility in such a short amount of time when they themselves, who have been eligible, have had a lot of difficulty getting an appointment. I guess this really does go back to this question of how I mean, has the state really managed to vaccinate people who are who have been previously eligible? Are most of those people vaccinated at this point? Do you do you know, Dr. Penn?
2: So the challenge is this. OK, so what happens is we announce, let's say, 65 and older. And then we said if you're an essential worker and you have a, pre, you know, a pre-existing condition, chronic condition, you can get vaccinated. Right. And then there's going to be a certain group of those people who will get the vaccine right away. And then there's some who will say, I wanna wait and see what happens, right? At the same time, it's, the announcement is as much a message to the people giving the vaccines. So the thing is when we announce on April 1st that now people 50 and over can get the vaccine, what that is a message to is to the people delivering the vaccine is that when someone shows up and they have an appointment for and they're 50 and over, they can go ahead and have their appointment and get their vaccine. Now, what we're not saying is that we can do everybody on that first day, all right? We just don't, you know, we're but we can start doing that. So there's always going to be some lag time between the actual date when we can start delivering it to those people and the time which someone who fits that criteria may actually be able to get the vaccine. But if we don't make the announcement in the first place, then they get turned away. So I think we need to think about the announcement in that context and we are getting more vaccine. That's why we're announcing, or uh, why the governor's announced that we're gonna be able to vaccinate people 15 over on April 1st and then everyone 16 over by April 15th. Uh, so we wanna be sure that the people who are delivering the vaccines know this, that they also are gonna get that supply of vaccine so that they can start doing that as, as well. Uh, but I do ask people to be patient. Um, it's a good sign. It's a positive sign that it's get the time is coming closer. When if you fit those categories, you can get vaccinated. Uh, but I also ask for some patients because um, what we want to do is uh, be sure that uh, uh, people that the people giving the vaccines know that if when you show up, you are eligible for the vaccine, and we're not going to be turning you away.
1: And just to put some numbers on that, what I saw report is that the state expects to receive about two and a half million first and second doses per week in the first half of April. That will grow to more than three million in the second half, and that they're really hoping to administer four million vaccines each week by the end of April. So if that's the case, just curious what your projection is, Dr. Pan, in terms of when we will have enough vaccine protection across the state to prevent more transmission.
2: So the challenge is going to be that probably sometime, uh, put myself out on a limb here, in May, <laughs> everyone who wants to get the vaccine will have, would have already gotten the vaccine, right? Uh, so May, maybe early June. And then the next challenge is the people who haven't gotten the vaccine. And I will point out that there's going to be a group of people who want to wait and see. They're not saying that they w- don't want to get the vaccine. They're going to be wait and see. And then they'll start showing up in may and june saying okay now that my friends and neighbors got the vaccine they look fine i'm gonna go ahead and get it and but the path to what you talked about in terms of herd immunity i like to call it community immunity really is trying to get about 70 80 percent of people getting vaccinated and of course unfortunately we can't vaccinate all the children yet because it's not approved so that's 20 percent of our population so we're going to be over the summer really trying to figure out how to message people and maybe even a little before summer, to the people who are currently saying, I'm not ready for the vaccine. And that's why we're, I'm also leading a campaign called, uh, ready to vaccinate, because we need to create a social norm where people know that their friends and neighbors are getting vaccinated and they're doing fine. And they're actually quite happy to be vaccinated and be able to do a lot of things. And maybe you should consider that as well. So we do want to have people know that getting vaccinated, uh, is something that is positive, that people who have gotten vaccinated had a positive experience, and that if you haven't been vaccinated, you'll commit to getting vaccinated. So that's going to be an important message in order for us to get to this community immunity, herd immunity, that will protect everyone.
1: Well, Chris tweets, people looking for shots should check their county website too. Not all appointments are on MyTurn. Kaiser Permanente vaccine shots are not booked through MyTurn. Same with some other providers. Let me go to caller Tom in Los Gatos. Hi, Tom.
4: Hi, Mina. Uh, thanks for taking my call. It was a great show. And hello, Dr. Pan. Hello. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm a 70-year-old with a super extreme heart condition, and I don't trust my own doctor uh, because she recommended that I have, say, cataract surgery recently, and my ophthalmologist, after perusing my record, hit the ceiling and said, no way. Uh, so I have no trust really at all in, in my health plan. Uh, should I go to... Uh, uh, Kaiser, say if I had Kaiser, and uh, say please uh, give my shot in the emergency room because I know people have had extreme reactions. I had a friend who actually stayed home uh, from work all day after having the Johnson and Johnson vaccination. He never stays home uh, from work. So, what precautions are be taken for uh, heart patients of all ages, but uh, mainly the elderly. Uh, people in nursing homes and are these shots still be given to uh, people who have signs on the door in their door that the nursing homes, saying do not resuscitate. Uh, and also mm. are these people also be forced on the ventilators against their uh, family's wishes? So uh, i was wondering if you could answer those questions. Uh,
1: Tom, Tom, thanks. Uh, Dr. Pan, are you able to, I think what I'm mainly hearing from Tom too, is just that he's concerned about, um, you know, what are the, what are the precautions, as he said, that he should take as uh, somebody with a heart condition.
2: Certainly. And I should mention that we are constantly monitoring, uh, what happens to people after they get the vaccine. Uh, in fact, if you haven't gotten the vaccine, when you get it, you can sign up for something called V-safe where you report symptoms or anything that happens after you've been vaccinated. So we've been doing intense monitoring around the vaccine. Uh, I think for someone who has a severe heart condition, first of all, you're at high risk for COVID itself. So uh, we want to be sure you're protected against this virus and the vaccine will help do that. Uh, There is a a small rate, uh, like with a lot of other exposures that someone may have an allergic reaction. Uh, In fact, every site, that's why for people who've gotten the vaccine, they know this, they actually observe you for 15 to 30 minutes. Uh, If you don't... uh, also they have to have the equipment available to be able to uh resuscitate you if there is a uh, if you do develop a, a allergic reaction uh that they can treat you and then have access to uh, emergency services uh it, it, given your severe heart condition you may want to seek to get it at a healthcare facility uh if that makes you you know in terms of uh your own comfort level uh as, as you mentioned uh so, uh, to find if there's a vaccination site that's located in a healthcare facility where they would probably get uh, more ready access, but every vaccination site, uh, sh- sh- is set up so that if someone does have a s- significant reaction that they can respond to that. Uh, b- but, uh, I-, I would just also say it's important to talk to trusted sources. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying that you have some questions about even your own healthcare provider. Uh, but, uh, Hopefully you can find uh, some trusted sources who can answer in more detail the questions that you pose so that you can feel comfortable and safe. That's what we want to do, is be sure that you have the information you need to make the right decision.
1: Well, Tom, thanks for the question. Let me go to Ellie in San Francisco. Hi, Ellie.
2: Hello.
0: Hi, go right ahead. You are. Yeah, hi, how are you? Thank you, Dr. Pan, for your service. Um, I'm calling because
2: um, I was underdosed for my first shot um, apparently. And I'm wondering if there are any safety or health concerns I should consider in seeking a third dose. Cause I got, I mean, they told me like, just come back for your second dose and you'll be fine. Uh, but to be honest with you, I don't feel fully protected. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people in this position, um, probably don't either. Hmm. So is there any, like, what are your thoughts on seeking a third dose of, uh, of the Pfizer Moderna vaccine? So uh, okay. if I recall correctly, uh, there was some question in terms of had to do with syringes and some other things about whether people fully got a first dose, uh, I think, of one of the vaccines, at, at least at one of the vaccination sites. And I, I believe, um, I'm doing this a little bit off the top of my head, uh, the investigation showed that, uh, uh, that, there was, that people were getting a sufficient dose. Let me just talk a little bit about why the two doses for those vaccines. Uh, the first dose is really kind of a priming dose, uh, to, uh, get your immune system to, to be primed. And then the second dose, uh, which is why a lot of people have more symptoms after the second dose is where your immune system really, uh, kicks off its, uh, response. And, uh, I believe given the situation that I've heard about that, that first dose, even, uh, with your concerns was enough of a primer that if you got your second dose, Uh, that you are uh, pretty much have benefited fully from the the vaccine so that a third dose probably is not necessary uh, for you that you're you're, you've received the full benefit of, of that vaccine with the second dose.
1: Thanks for that question. Here's a logistical one from Jess who writes, I was given a card after my first vaccination, I misplaced it. And now I may be in jeopardy of losing my chance to get my second dose. I'm hearing impaired and I didn't hear if told at all what I needed to safeguard that I needed to safeguard this piece of paper. The public needs to be made aware of the importance of it. What can Jess do in this case?
2: Well, first of all, certainly having the card is is useful for you personally to keep a record, uh, Every dose of COVID vaccine, I believe, is being, uh, registered with the, uh, we have a, uh, immuniz- uh, immunization, registry, the state runs, uh, is being registered there as well. Uh, you may want to contact your public health authority and see whether you can get a copy, you know, from that registry, uh, your records of the vaccine so that you can have your own copy, uh. I'd have to look into exactly how that would happen, but I would talk to your uh, local public health office and, and, and explain your situation and say, is there a way I can get my vaccine records uh, from the registry uh, to, in order to have ev- my own personal copy of the evidence of my vaccination?
1: Well, William writes, the results speak for themselves. Anecdotally, I'm an Afro-Latinx essential worker. I've had to go in every day during this pandemic because I can't do my job from home. But the state removed the remaining essential worker phases. It's really frustrating to hear about so many folks that work from home getting access first and, and that I know personally don't have any health conditions and almost are entirely white and young. Despite the expanding eligibility plan for April 15th, I have serious doubts I'll actually have access until May or June. As we did mention earlier the state is saying that it will take several months for all willing Californians to get a vaccine. Right now we are reopening, Dr. Pan. A lot of counties in Orange tiers and I'm wondering how you feel about that? What is your advice to people in terms of what they still need to keep in mind as the state begins to reopen and and as vaccines are being expanded the eligibility is being expanded so broadly and so quickly?
2: So first of all, we're still in the race uh, between vaccines and, and variants. So, uh, and also without, uh, sufficient percentage of people being vaccinated there, we still have virus out there and it's still spreading, although that's been decreasing as we've been vaccinating more, but also part of it's because people have been good about continuing to wear their masks, uh, following public health guidance. I should mention that, especially since, uh, this is the start of spring break. Uh, Remind people, please try not to travel too far. Don't mix with other households if you can avoid it. Uh, We don't wanna have another wave happen before we're able to get even more people vaccinated. Hopefully we can get out of this by, um, well, President said July 4th is Independence Day. Uh, But in the meantime, we're still working to get people vaccinated. We are working hard uh, in terms of equity, uh, trying to be sure we, uh, again, prioritize people Uh, who are at higher risk. So essential workers, uh, people in communities of color, we're uh, pursuing many different strategies. But I also mentioned that people are working hard to try to get the vaccine as well. So it's always a little challenging there. But we're also getting more vaccines. So that's what those announcements are about. April, and uh, hopefully uh, the gentleman who called, we can get vaccinated soon.
1: We have less than 30 seconds, but Caroline writes, my partner is feeling hesitant to get the vaccine and offering some challenging questions about the safety and other issues. I wonder if others are dealing with this and what they do if one in a household is on board with vaccination and another is not. I could see it breaking up relationships. Just 20 seconds, Dr. Pan.
2: Well, I would just say, first of all, uh, it's important for you say, well, I'm getting the vaccine because I think it's uh, safe and effective. Uh, Also, who would you trust to talk to you about the vaccine? So aside from your uh, social media feed, uh, let's have a conversation with that person about the vaccine so you can get accurate information.
1: Senator Richard Pan, thank you so much for talking with us today. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Mina, for having me.
1: Dr. Richard Pan, state senator for the Sacramento area pediatrician. Another 20 Minutes of Forum is next, a segment on a new Netflix series, City of Ghosts. Stay with us for that.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.